Well, good morning, church. Good to see you. Thanks for all the folks that are joining us online. Appreciate you all. Good, looking forward to meet you in the service as soon as you can make it. And um, we are in a series of messages that we're going to go two more weeks, I think, on and take us right into the Christmas season. And we've just been going through 1 Corinthians 13, at least the first part of 1 Corinthians 13, just kind of uh, verse by verse. Uh, where Paul is, uh, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, is defining uh, love. I came across this quote this week, and it was in, in, in my reading, the person that was writing it didn't give anyone credit for this, so I didn't come up with this. But I thought this quote really applies uh, to what we're talking about as well as biblical teaching. If one loves, not much else is needed. If one doesn't have love, not much else matters. Now think, think about that. If, and, and that jives really good with all of Scripture. Uh, if, if I love, in the biblical understanding of love, love is patient, love is kind, so forth and so on, all the stuff that we've been through for the last seven or eight weeks. If one loves, not much else is needed uh, in the Christian realm. Uh, if one doesn't have love, not much else really matters. And that's what really the Apostle Paul says in the first part of 1 Corinthians 13, which we haven't really spent any time on at all. We've jumped down and started in verse 4 where Paul starts defining love. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, Paul says, you know, I can, I can speak. I can be the best speaker in the whole world. I can be more eloquent than anyone else. I, I can just be, um, just absolutely have people mesmerized by how good I can speak and what a good public speaker I am. But if I don't have love, nothing else really matters. And in Paul's words, he says, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he says in, in, in verse 2, he says, you know, I can teach the Bible and open to you all prophecy and mysteries of knowledge and knowledge. And I, I can have faith that can absolutely move mountains. But if I don't have love, nothing else really matters. Isn't that amazing? And, and I can be so generous. I, I can just be unbelievably generous. Give all that I have to the poor. That's the next verse. And give my body over to hardship. I can go uh, I, can, I can go to Papua New Guinea and not stay in the compound where the hospital is because that's kind of nice, but go stay out in the bush, and that's where Harold and them stayed when they, when, when they all went. And I can just do that and give my body over to hardship. And if I don't have love, nothing else really matters, though. It, 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 just, it just it doesn't matter. It goes to naught. I gain nothing. And then he just starts going in to a definition of love that we've said every single week that we really need because love is a really weird word. There, there was uh, 100,000 people last night in Columbus with us, and we were six of them last night, and we love going to Buckeyes games. But um, we're also called to love our wives. We're called to love our neighbors. We uh, love Oreo cookies. We use that same word. So it's a, really, it's, a, it's a really weird word that we use for all kinds of things that in our society means a hundred different things. And, and, it, and it, it meant several different things for Paul as well. 
And so he uses the word agape, which is, has, has nothing to do, and that's the Greek word, it has nothing to do with feelings. It has nothing to do with warm fuzzies. It has nothing to do with goosebumps. And that's what the world, that's what all the Hallmark cards talk about when they talk about love. They talk about goosebumps and warm fuzzies and a nice crackling fire there and all that kind of stuff. But when the Apostle Paul defines love, he didn't talk about any of those things. He says love is something you will yourself to do. Because you can will yourself to be patient. And by the way, if you're waiting for feelings of patience to come in your life so that you will be patient, you will be last waiting a long time. Right? Now, what God does is when I obey God's word and I don't feel patient, but I act with patience, which are two completely different things, and both of them are absolutely possible. I don't have to feel patient in me to be able to be patient. I can overcome that by an act of my will. And what God does is when we are patient and we obey his word, we take him at his word and we lean on his word, even when we don't feel like it, watch what he does to our feelings. I've, I've found that out in my life, that things that were once really hard for me to do, but I knew it was being obedient to Jesus to do it. I did it in the midst of all the hardness, and then watch God change you on the inside. Watch God change you when you're obedient to what you know to be obedient to. So we came to the passage that we've been in now. We've said love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, and it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. He goes on to say that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And here's where we're going to be today. And we're going to cover half of this. Always protects, love does. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres or it always endures, some translations say. And then the final part of verse 8 says, love never fails. Now let's go back to the passage that we're going to be in today, at least half of this. And, and the Bible says that it always protects, agape, always trust. And next week will be the other two parts of that. Okay? It always protects. Some of your Bibles say that it bears all things. And we think of those as two completely different things. Because one translation says it protects, and the other translation says that it bears all things. Now, in our thinking, that kind of has two different connotations. But you know what the truth is after doing about 30 minutes of research on that word? Either one of those is a good translation. It meant several things for Paul at that time when he was speaking that language. So I'm just going to take a little bit of time here and talk about the difference and how both of those are possible. And I'm going to start with love bears all things it's a good translation just like love always protects is a good translation love always bears all things you know what my dad used to say all the time and i've told you this before dad would say mark grin and bear it i would come home and i complained about my manager at kroger's store i worked at kroger's dad worked at kroger's for 30 plus years he said son i've learned to grin and bear it there are some things in life that we have to put up with. And there are some things in our dealing with people that we have to 
put up with. That doesn't mean that we never speak, and that doesn't mean there's never a time to be able to, to speak into a situation. But a whole lot of times, we deal, we deal with it by putting up with it. Now, what's an example of that? Now, every spouse here knows everything about your spouse that kind of irritates you, you don't verbalize. Because they're kind of little small things. And you know what you do? You put up with it. Because it's just probably my issue to begin with. It's just something about maybe Sue's personality that kind of maybe rubs me the wrong way just a little bit. And it's not like she's wrong. It's just me. And I have to put up with it. You know, you, you know how bad it would be in our house if Sue verbalized to me every little thing about me that irritated her. And if I verbalized to her every little thing about her that irritates me. Now, big things you better talk about. You better talk about big things. But there are lots of things that something in the back of my head, maybe it's the Holy Spirit, I don't know what it is, will just say, put up with that, Mark. It's not worth making that big of a deal over. Love doesn't, love's not critical. It may offer criticism, but in doing that, it's not critical in the way that they do that. Love bears all things. You know what love does? Um, in bearing all things, putting up with stuff. You know what love does? Uh, love keeps silent many times uh, when you, uh, someone else offends you. we got a society today that just gets offended left and right. And, and you know what? Um, getting offended happens, but you know, most of the time, I don't verbalize someone offends me or says something makes me mad. I don't verbalize that because... It's probably my issue to begin with. Love keeps silent many times when it's stuff that just maybe rubs us the wrong way just a little bit. We keep silent. No, no, I'm not talking about huge things. I'm not talking about huge things. I'm not talking about huge things. But there's a whole lot of things we just look over in the name of love. We do that all the time in life. Love keeps silent about other people's sins. If, if, if it's huge, we may have to go talk to them about that if we have that close of a relationship. But I don't go talk to you about it. And you don't go talk to me about it. At least if we're operating in the realm of love and we're living the Christian life as we should live it. It seems to be the less than the Christian ethic to be able to, to uh, talk about other people's shortcomings and failures if we're not going to them and talking about their shortcomings. If it's big enough deal to talk about it, then it seems like I ought to go to the one that can do something about it other than talking to my neighbor or whatever it may be. Um, love doesn't talk about other people's failures and other people's sins. Not in a critical way. Not in a way that it's in a gossiping way. You obviously can have a conversation with your spouse about someone else, but it's not in a gossiping way. It's not in a way that you're just talking about them. Love, love, doesn't, love doesn't do that. Love delays judgment. Love delays judgment. Oh, the Bible says, and somebody's saying, well, the Bible says you're never supposed to judge. Well, that's not true at all. You look at the context of the passage where, where it says don't judge, judge not. 
And we're constantly called throughout the Bible to make judgments. You've got a brain. Your brain is for making judgments. And we have to know good from bad. And we have to be able to make some kind of judgments to know who we're going to hang around with and who maybe we shouldn't hang around with and who our kids should hang around with and maybe who our kids shouldn't hang around with. That's obviously a, obviously a negative kind of judgment. But what love does, it delays judgments till we have both sides of the story, till we have all the issues, till, till, till I have all the, uh, the circumstances around that issue. Love will delay judgments. You know there's another thing what love will do? There are some things... And I don't know what they are, and I'm not going to give you a list because they're probably different for all of us. But there are some things that love makes us take to the grave with us. Things we know. Things we know. About other people, usually, almost always. Things we know. But love makes us take it to the grave with us. Love bears all things love puts up with a whole lot and that doesn't make you a doormat and 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 it doesn't mean that that someone should abuse you time and time and time and time again but for the sake of love we we end up putting up with a lot love bears all things think about the people that have taught sunday school for years and years Every Sunday wasn't a good Sunday. And many Sundays you had to bear with a lot from those kids. But love made you do that. Think of our youth leaders. and You put up with kids that are learning who they are and they're overly emotional and they don't always think through what they say and just, just like none of us did when we were that age. Think how much our youth workers, for the sake of love, have to bear with those teens. Have to put up. And you do it for love. You do it because there's a greater purpose that's involved. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse something says, Love covers a multitude of sins. There are some things I know about people and there are some things you know about people that we just cover out of love. Oh, Mark, well, aren't you supposed to? Yeah, there may be a time to go talk to that person, especially if I'm in relationship with that person. Love covers. It's fascinating to me. Y'all probably think I'm a nerd on this kind of stuff, but it's fascinating to me that... the. And, and the Greek word that's translated here protects, and then when you talk about love covers, it, uh, this same word was used many times for a roof of a house, covering over top of a house. There are things sometimes that love just covers. Love bears all I'm teaching you God's Word this morning. If you were here with Revival, thank you so much for being here. But a Revival is different than Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, right? Revivalistic is, is an emotional thing, and Pastor Kim does a great job. He talks about, talks about 
keeping the fire down. But a pastor comes back after, after that and says, well, here's three ways you keep the fire down. You've got to keep the fire kindled in your life, and that's good. We get emotional and come to the altar, and that's wonderful, and that's the revival setting, and that's good, and it serves a big purpose. But then you've got to know how you kindle the fire in your life. Because if you don't know how to kindle the fire in your life, it'll last about a week. The emotion will last about a week. And so there's a time for emotional preaching and there's a time to teach. And the Apostle Paul teaches us here. He's teaching us. The, the Bible, Jesus says, go love, love your neighbor. It's, it's, it's the second greatest commandment. The first was to love God and the second was to love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul comes and says, Love is patient. Love is kind. So bears all things is one way that that word can be translated, but can equally be translated protect. Both are good translations. Now here's what protect doesn't mean. If I'm protecting, it doesn't mean that I'm covering up all of the problems that are around us. And, you know, we say we keep silent and all that kind of stuff. There's some things that have to be talked about. Love just doesn't stick stuff under the rug Oh, for weeks and for months. There's a fine line there. Love, love will tackle issues if they must be tackled. And the worst thing in the world, after weeks and months and years of stuffing stuff under the rug, it'll explode, or at the very least, you'll trip over the rug because there's so much junk there. So that, when it says it protects, it doesn't mean you turn a blind eye to sin. It doesn't mean that at all love protects means that love warns love warns if i'm in relationship with somebody and i have the kind of relationship with that person that i can speak into their life love warns doesn't just turn a blind eye to sin that's one of the ways you're protecting people turns a blind eye to sin what do we do as parents what do, we do as, what are we doing as parents when we say, do this and don't do that? We're protecting. And basically, what we're basically saying, and I don't think many kids find, really understand this, what we're saying when we say, don't do this and don't do that, we're basically saying, don't do it because I did it and the consequences aren't good. I don't want you to make the same mistake that I made. That's basically all we're doing with parenting. Don't go do the stupid stuff that I did. I've been down that road. It doesn't lead anywhere. And so we warn. It's protecting. Love protects. It, 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 it warns. It corrects. Why, why do we correct our kids? Because we love them. Why do we say don't go here and go there? Because we love them. I know what happened to me when I went, went there. Don't go there. Now, Kids of 2021 are just like kids of 1970s when I grew up. We didn't believe our mom and dad, and so we had to go learn ourselves. And there's a certain time, and I don't know when it is, and, I, and you don't know when it is exactly. We all just kind of pray and ask God for wisdom, but there's a time we allow kids to make mistakes because one of the ways we learn is when we made them and suffered the consequences from them ourselves. So sometimes some of the most loving things that we can do to protect them, if the consequences won't be real great, we go ahead and allow them to make that mistake. 
Sue's on me all the time about Levi. Has he got his homework done? 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 Got his homework done? Well, I don't give a rip if he's got his homework done. He needs to learn. If he don't turn in his homework, he's going to get a D in the class. And if I keep saving him from his homework, what's he going to learn? Okay, sit down here and do it. Sit down here and do it. There's a certain amount of time that he's got to learn he's a free person, but he's also a responsible person. And so it's not up to me all the time to be telling him, now, if the consequences are going to be really great, okay, in the long run, let's be honest, don't listen to this, kids. In the long run, if it's going to be honest, a D is not that big of a deal in the long run, okay? Okay, now, drug abuse, unplanned pregnancy, we're talking entirely different categories. But in the whole scheme of things, the D on the paper is not going to be that big of a deal. And it could be a really positive thing if they learn from it. So why should I save my kids from all of their mistakes? Because I was so hard-headed, that's the way I learned. Dad would tell me and tell me and tell me, and I thought I knew more than my dad, just like these kids think they know more than their dads. And I would go out and make the mistakes, but then I learned. Oh, Dad was right. Amazing. I guess there's a first time for everything. <laughs> love warns. Love protects. Love rebukes, love disciplines. Love does discipline. You remember the old parents that sometimes when you were a little kid turned you over the knee and said, now this hurts me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. Love disciplines. That's what love does. You know what else love does? In the whole realm of this protecting thing, so love bears all things, good translation of the word. Love protects, good translation of the word. They're both good translations. But they mean kind of work out kind of different ways. You know, you know under the protecting head, headline, you know what love does? Love, love risk friendships if somebody needs to be told something. I got somebody in my life, I shared this with you two weeks ago, and I still haven't acted on it to be quite honest with you. I, I got somebody in my life I have to talk to. It's not going to be an easy conversation. I'm afraid he'll be offended. I, I'm, afraid, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid he may look at me differently after that. But you know what love does? Love, love risks friendships if something has to be said. Now, you and I may differ on what has to be said that it's important enough that it must be said but if I don't bring this issue in my mind right now if I continue to go without bringing this issue up to him I don't love him I value not having conflict between us more than I value loving him because that's why we don't talk that's why we cower that's why we keep our mouth shut because we don't want the weird feelings between us love sometimes not all the time and not on every single instance but there are times that love makes you risk the relationship love risks friendships it's kind of like going up to somebody and say I love you too much not to talk about this 
And isn't that true for your kids? You love them too much not to say something about that behavior. You love them too much to let it go on and on. Now, yes, they'll get uncomfortable about it. They'll be mad at you. They may, not, they, 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 they may even for, for three or four weeks may be mad at you, not call you, and you got all that weird stuff. But you know what? My love for them is more important than those feelings I'd have to deal with because of that. If I'm totally convinced that's the right thing to do. And if it's a huge area in the life, it's not, it's not like little bitty areas. I love you too much not to bring this up. I love you too much not to talk about this. Love protects. Love protects. Another thing that love does in the area of protecting, it, it doesn't expose people. And this probably comes in the realm of parenting a lot, but not only in parenting. Love does not expose people to things that will hurt them. We do that all the time in parenting. We do that all the time in parenting. I told you what I told you two or three weeks ago that after 32 years of marriage, my, my brother came out as gay. And in the conversation that we had when he came out to me, I, you know, I told him I loved him. I will always love him. There's absolutely nothing that he can do to keep me from loving him. I said, you're welcome in my home at any time. I said, but your partner is not. Now, why did I do that? To protect my boys. To, to, to protect my boys from thinking, well, I guess it's okay. You know, even dad's brother does it. To, to protect my boys from buying into the ways of the world and thinking, well, it's in our family, it's... I protect them. I do not expose them to things that hurt them. You do that all the time as parents because when you have a serious conversation about serious things, uh, Levi and Christopher, would you leave the room? Don't you do that all the time? Or, 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 or do you sometimes say to your spouse, well, let's wait. Let's, let's wait till the night to talk about that. What are you doing? You're protecting them from things you don't want them to hear. That's what love does. Let their ears be virgin for as long as they can be. I'm not talking about naive. I'm not talking about gullible. But why do we have to have 12-year-olds hearing all the things that they hear today? Why can't we let them be kids? And be innocent for as long as they can be. Love doesn't expose people to things that will hurt them. Love protects. Now, I'm going to say something here that's going to sound rather sexist, but it's, it's something I truly believe, and I'm going to step away from the Bible. Well, I can, probably, I can probably lean on the Bible a little bit here. But can I tell you something that, you know, at some settings people would start throwing stones at me after I said this. I think, I think wives need their husbands to protect them. And I'm not talking about physical protection. Yeah, I, I guess I am talking about that in a way, but that doesn't happen very often, right? You know how you need to protect your wife? One way that it's important for me to, and I don't follow through on this every single time, but Sue told me this before we ever got married. One way I show my wife I love her and protect her is to make sure 
that when the car needs work, that I take care of it, that she always has dependable transportation. She didn't want to deal with that. She feels loved when I make sure of that. She feels loved when there's financial security. When, when I, I'm taking steps to make sure that we are financially secure, she feels protected. She feels loved. We talked with Mike Reed just this week, and Mike Reed was talking about, now listen, Mark, you're nine years older than she is. You've got to make plans for her to live a long time after you die. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And if I, if I love her, I will protect her in that way. And that was in the realm of delaying my Social Security until I get full payment of 70, so she'll get it when I die and she'll have full payment. It's a way of protecting her because you love her. Loving your wife means that you have a safe and place to live. and She feels secure in her home. And us guys are risk takers. I'm going to speak stereotypically here. Us guys are risk takers. A lot of women are adverse to risk. And sometimes risk taking is appropriate, very appropriate. Uh, no one can ever go in their own business without taking a risk. Everybody that starts a business up, that hangs their shingle on a door, is a risk taker because there's no guarantee for success. Most good things happen financially in life when you've taken a risk. I understand that. So there's appropriate risk. But I have a wife that's adverse to risk, and a lot of women are. So I make sure that I don't bet the house on things. You know what I mean? I make sure I don't bet the house on stuff. I don't make sure that I don't have some crazy idea that I take a second and third mortgage out on my house and she feels insecure and unloved. I just don't go ahead. What's, I, think, I think I want to do it. I think God wants me to do it. And, and, and throws her into a quandary because she, she's not comfortable. She's not secure. She's not secure. It's my job to make her feel secure. It's one of her love languages that she feels secure Now, there's a certain part of, of taking a risk that the wife may have to come a little bit this way on, and the husband comes a little bit this way on. And, and, and the wife needs to respect her husband, maybe to trust him at a few times when he's stepping out on a, some business venture or something, taking a little bit of a risk there. Because, ladies, that shows you respect him. And what he needs, listen to me if you've never heard me, ladies, what he needs more than your love is your respect. Bible doesn't say wives love your husbands. It says wives respect them. Because you know what? That's our love language. That's our love language. Sue speaks love to me when she respects me. So, yes, adverse to risk, but maybe getting out a little bit out of your comfort zone. Why I don't get way out here, I come a little bit Sue's way, and somehow... That's love. Somehow that all works out as love. Before I leave protects, let me show you a picture that I found this week that I got to share with you. I've never seen this picture. I've never heard this anywhere before. But this is in a person's house, this little thing here, and I think it's really good. 
It's a little wooden thing that's laying on a table, obviously. And it says, the absent are safe here. Now, I didn't know what that meant until I started reading about it. You know what that means? In our home, we don't talk behind people's backs. Because love protects. The absent, that sounds really Christian, doesn't it? The absent are safe here. Doesn't that sound Christian? That, that doesn't mean that there's never a time that Sue and I, out of love and concern, talk about another family and the issues. That doesn't mean that, but you know what the difference. You know the difference. The absent are safe here. Wouldn't you like to know that you're safe in your neighbor's house when you're not there? Wouldn't you like to know that you're safe in your cousin's house when you're not there because the absent are safe in their house? Love protects. Love protects. Just a few verses of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love tries to cover all wrongs. There's that word cover, protects, cover. Remember I said roof. Love tries to calm things out. Love, love doesn't stir up everything. Keep, keep, the, keep the waters brewing. Love tries, tries to smooth things out. That doesn't mean when you try to smooth things out, you don't talk about things that need to be talked about. There's some people that are just so much people pleasers that they just try to smooth all things out and things just get horrible and you end up tripping over the big rug because it's so much of a mess that you've stuck under year after year after year after year. And that'll explode sooner or later. You know that. Proverbs 4, 6, one protection that can come is by sharing what you've learned in life. Wisdom will protect you. Do not forsake it. She will protect you. Wisdom will love you. Wisdom will watch over you. Sharing what you've learned, and basically, as I said earlier, that's sharing the mistakes that you've made. And I love you. I don't want you to go down that road. I'm thinking about something if I want to say it right now, and I, I think I, maybe I, I think I better leave it right there. Okay. Proverbs two eleven. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. Being able to discern, having the wisdom to do that will protect, protect you. We're talking about love bears all things, love protects. One word translated two different ways, they're both good translations. You look in one Bible and have it this way, you look in another Bible and have it that way, they're both right. But they mean different things. But that because the, the, the Greek language was so expressive, much more so than ours. Now before I let you go, let's, let's go to the second thing. It says love protects and it says love trust. Some of your Bibles will say love believes all things. I like a paraphrase. The Moffat paraphrase is an old Bible that never really caught on. But it's a Moffat trans, uh, translation or really a paraphrase that says love is always eager to believe the best. Doesn't that sound Christian? Now that doesn't mean I'm gullible. That doesn't mean I'm naive. That, I'm not talking about that. 
What what does Jesus say? We're supposed to be wise as serpents or something like that back in probably Matthew or somewhere? doesn't mean we're gullible, that we believe everything. But you know what? We're eager to believe the best in people. Do you know people that are eager not to believe the best in people? Do you know people that are so cynical and so burnt out on life that they're eager not to believe the best in people? One thing that love does, not in a gullible way, not in a naive way, but we love gives the benefit of the doubt until we know that we can't do that any longer because of actions that we've just seen time and time again. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love is not cynical. Love believes all things. Now, if you, if you, if you know anything about the, the book of 1 Corinthians or the church at Corinth, it was a messed up church. Man, it was messed up. They had, they had more sin in that church than you can shake a stick at. It was everywhere, and Paul writes about it all the way through. It was the reason he wrote the letter. There's this whole lot of problems in that church. And so, so Paul's just overlooking all that stuff? No, he's not overlooking it. He, is, he loved them enough to write the letter to them and basically called them out. But before he started calling them out on the stuff and started numbering the things that were going wrong in the church at Corinth, he writes this. He says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. One thing love, eager to believe, is that you believe that if God can get a hold of these people, there's no, there's no telling what he can do in their life. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and, our, and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's getting ready in verse 11 here, to start listing the stuff they're doing wrong. But he believes that God is at work in these people's lives. They came out of a culture of idol worshiping. They came out of a culture of tremendous sin. Now they've accepted Jesus. And you know what? There's a lot of baggage left. There's there's been times over my pastorate that I've, I've heard people say things or read it on Facebook or, or heard that they did it, and it was an unchristian thing. And I, as a pastor, you know the pastor is supposed to try to help them and maybe try to go to them and talk them through that thing. But there's many times that because they were so new in the faith that I overlooked that because they're infants, and there's a whole lot of baggage. And these Corinthians were infants in the faith. Man, can I tell you, sometimes, sometimes... I think that we, we think we're going to get saved and everything the next day is going to be okay. And you know what? It may be okay eternally, but there's going to be a lot of junk to work through in your life. A lot of retraining that has to happen. That's why Paul says to renew your mind. Transform yourself through his word and take out the stinking thinking and put in godly thinking. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of this grace given you in Christ Jesus. 
For in him you have been enriched in every way. You people that I'm just getting ready to say are having are immoral sexually. He's getting ready to say that in verse 5. He's getting ready to tell them that you shouldn't be taking each other to court. You got a whole church here at Corinth, and this side of the church is suing that side of the church. But he says, for in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all kinds of knowledge. Next slide. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Now, he's going to talk about how they're misusing the gifts later. But he believes in and believes God's at work in their life. And he says, man, you don't, you don't lack any spiritual gift in this church. Look, look at the good this church can do because of all the gifts. Now, I'm going to have to talk to you a few chapters later about the way you're misusing those gifts. He says, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into his fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Love believes all things. Love is eager to believe the best in people. Love is eager to give people the benefit of the doubt until by time and time and time again, they proved to me. I got a family in the first church that I worked with a while. They've just had, they've had to totally distance themselves from their children, their adult children. They've paid enough utility bills. They've paid enough cell phone bills. They've, they've, they've paid enough cable bills. They've paid enough uh, back rent. They've paid all this stuff, and probably what they've done is facilitated their neediness. And I'm not saying that... that there's not a time that love takes a stand and says, I'm not helping you by allowing you to continue to stay in this state. I'm loving you by saying, right now, you 40-year-old, you've got to stand on your own two feet. Do you realize that can be love? Especially if I'm still there to support them and tell them what, and try to teach them if they don't know what standing on your own two feet means. We facilitate our children's neediness and, and their irresponsible behavior because we keep paying back rent and keep paying late cell phone bills and all that kind of stuff, even though they're going out spending money on six-packs and cigarettes. But we do that because our heart... I, I know it. I'm not making fun of it. We do that because of the emotional part of love, and I get that. I, really, I can't even imagine how I would deal with it if my kids would go that road. But love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Cheryl, jump down to that quote from D.A. Carson, please. D.A. Carson is a well-known in our circles, biblical interpreter and scholar. D.A. Carson says, and, and when he's going over this passage of Scripture, says, love does, not, love does not mean it is gullible, but that it, listen, but that it prefers to be generous in its openness and acceptance rather than suspicious or cynical. Friends, there is nothing worse than a cynical, suspicious person. You don't want to be around them, do you? You go out to dinner on a Friday night with a person that's suspicious and cynical and everything's negative, you've wasted your Friday night. Love does not mean that it's gullible. 
Love does not mean that it's naive, but that it prefers to be generous in its openness and acceptance rather than suspicious or cynical. Love is eager to believe the best thing. Well, your obvious question is, like I got him after the service, first service. Well, I've got a sister and I've got a brother and they're just da-da-da-da-da-da, fill in the blanks. You've got those situations too. What do I do about that, Pastor? <laughs> I said, if you haven't had the difficult conversation, love demands it of you. But sometimes, also, love demands you to take a step back. And I don't know where that line is, and I can't tell you exactly when to do it. There's another quote by a guy I found as I was reading on this. I've never heard this guy's name before. I don't know who he is. He could be a nut for all I know, but he wrote something really good right here. Love seeks, listen, this is so good. Love seeks to understand each person in the best light with an understanding of life's complexities. That is so good. What does love do? Uh, it seeks to understand you and all you've been through and how you were raised that has brought you to this point in life. Life's complexities. And do you know how complex all of that is? I seek, to not, I seek to understand you not as how you should have been raised or maybe the way that I was raised. I seek to understand you in the light of life's complexities. That's what love does. Because can, can I be honest with you? I, I was raised privileged, and I don't mean privileged in the way that we hear it nowadays. I was raised in a Christian home, and, and we paid our bills on time, and we, we weren't allowed to cuss, and, and I had to treat my mom right, and, and Dad wouldn't allow anything different than that, and everybody hasn't been raised that way. So as I try to, it happens all the time as a pastor, as I try to counsel, as I try to give loving stuff, I'm talking to people whose life I do not relate to. Because I wasn't raised that way because I was privileged to have a Christian upbringing. My privilege has nothing to do with my race. It has everything to do with my Christian upbringing. I was very privileged. Very privileged. And it's hard for me to understand people's life's complexities because it's all the things I can't relate to. Love believes people can change and improve. Have you heard people say, well, I, give up, I gave up on them a while back? And I get that. I know you've been disappointed. You've been disappointed. You've been disappointed. I know that you've been let down. You've been let down. You've been, I get that. But even if you've kind of cut off ties, Lord, you can still do something in their life. Lord, put them around the right people. Lord, give them Christian friends. Even if you've had to cut ties and you've had to take a step back, you believe that they can change and improve by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love sees their worth, potential, and future possibilities. Love is eager to believe the best. Man, if God ever got a hold of that girl, if God ever got a hold of that guy, and this is so good, because this is how we protect ourselves, this last sentence. Love is not afraid of being proved wrong 
or being embarrassed by others. Well, Mark, I told you, you shouldn't have spent any time with that guy because he's been to every church in town. And, and you're just a fool for spending your time on him. You, want, you know what love is? It's not afraid of being proved wrong or being embarrassed. But Mark, I told you, you, I told you that wasn't going to work out. See, Mark, I told you. He'd fly the coop after a little while. Love is not afraid of being proved wrong or being embarrassed by others. Come on, Mark, you've been in the ministry 26 years. You should know better than to spend your time with that guy. Love doesn't have to look good in front of other people. Love just has to follow the way of love in the way that God is working that out in your life. And he's probably working that out in your life differently than he's working it out in my life. And every loving decision that I would make may not be the same loving decision you make. And I can't say you're wrong and you can't say I'm wrong. Because life's complexities demand different stuff at different times. Well, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. How in the world do you do that? What in the world does love mean? Paul's taken us through several verses now. Love protects. Love bears all things. Listen, you heard me say it before. There are some things that love demands you take to the grave with you. Love trusts. Love is eager to believe the best. Love is not cynical. Love is not suspicious. We may learn after trying to love that person that they don't want to be loved and we kind of have to pull away. But we still believe they can change. I can still pray for them. When they come back, don't, the Apostle Paul basically told John Mark to take a hike. And those of you who know your Bibles know what I'm talking about. He says, he, he's not any use to me. And then he took him back, and I think it's in the book of Philemon, that little one-page book that he calls John Mark a fellow worker. He came back and gave him a second chance. You know what love does? It gives second chances, third chances, seventeenth chances. Well, how many times, Mark? I don't know. Your number is different than my number. But love is eager to believe that somebody's repentance is really true. Instead of sitting back here, which is true, but having an attitude, well, they'll prove their repentance by their, their works. I'll see if they're really... Obviously, that's a true statement, but I don't have to give off that attitude. That attitude. Well, I've gone too long, and that's nothing new. God protects us. This is, I guess, if it's not number one, it's number two of the ways he protects us. He's told us how to live. He's told us what we should do and what we should not do. He told us in the direction we should go in life and the direction we should not go. A father does that. And we not, should not be surprised that a heavenly father does it as well. 
He protects us by giving us his word. And he believes the best in us, about us. Even though Adam and Eve had just turned their back on him, he sacrificed an animal, covered him up with the skins, and gave him a second chance. Love is hard. I know it's hard. And you'll tell me, boy, it's, it's getting hard to love my son. It's getting hard to love. I know that. I get it. I get it. But nothing was any harder than Jesus' love for you on the cross. Nothing was any harder. You'll never have to go to the lengths that Jesus did to show his love. For God so loved the world that he gave. I wouldn't give my boy for you. I wouldn't. I don't have that kind of love in my heart. I wouldn't give my, any, either one of my sons for you. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that's what we remember every single Sunday. The Father's love for us. He protected us from ourselves. He protected us from our sins by making a remedy for our sins. And we remember it every single Sunday. I don't know where you are today. I don't know how this message hit you. I don't know if you need to kneel at this altar or if you don't know, need to kneel at this altar. I have no clue. But our, our communion tables are open. Servers are coming now. Our altar will be open if you would like to receive it on your knees. I'll be leading everybody through in just a second. And we're remembering the Father's great love. He believed the best in Mark when Mark was out messing up royally. And he continued to woo me. He continued to put people in his life. He continued to have my parents pray for me. He, God believed in me when there was not much there to believe in. Who in your life needs that kind of love? Let's continue in these next moments. You worship now however you choose to.